Hey everybody, it's Britt, lead pastor at Sunridge. Welcome or welcome back to our teaching podcast. You know, we are on a mission here at Sunridge to help people find and follow Jesus. We believe in the good news that Jesus welcomes all regardless of how far you feel from God. That means we're a great starting point to explore Christianity or to sink your spiritual roots deep as a devoted Jesus follower. If you'd like to know more about us, just check out our website at sunridgechurch.org. And of course, we'd love to have you drop in anytime for a visit to learn and worship along with us. And now, here's our teaching for this week. Can we thank our worship and tech team for the way we started our service today? Awesome, you guys. Hey, if you're out there, you can take a seat. We're so glad that you join us this morning. My name is Jed, and I get to serve as one of our pastors on staff. And several years ago, it was an early Saturday morning, and I was awoken by one of my good friends, Dee Fatty, and uh, we were making our way down to Escondido. Thank you, Drew. And down in Escondido, we play basketball at a church that some of you have heard of. It's a great church called Emmanuel Faith. Yep, 6 a.m., bright and early. We are driving on the way down there. And as we're going down, D. Fatty says, Hey, Jed, would you be willing to give the devotion today? Because uh, Jeff has been wanting to ask you to do that. And I'm thinking, I was just here to play some basketball. <laughs> So we show up, and Emmanuel Faith has this great two-door, indoor basketball court area, and they've been playing hoops there for decades, and so lots of wonderful people. We show up, we play some basketball, and every week in the middle of basketball, they stop for about 10 minutes, and they gather up all the people who are there, and we sit down on the bleachers, and someone goes to share the devotional, and typically that someone was Jeff, who ran that ministry, or Dennis, the lead pastor. I don't know if some of you guys know Dennis, who was the pastor there for many, many years. Absolutely incredible, and, and I'll tell you, Dennis is an amazing basketball player. I'm telling you, up until the end of his tenure, he was still out there playing basketball with us. The guy was a savage. And so I go up there, and it's time for me to do my Devo, and I'm sitting there thinking, or standing there thinking, what in the world? And so I just, I just go for it, right? I go for it. Whatever I was planning to say in my head is D-Fatty and I were driving down to play basketball. And so I, I finish the devotional pray and walk off to the sidelines and Dennis is just the sweetest man. He's like, Jed, thank you so much. Thank you so much for doing that. But he said, I've got something for you. And I said, Dennis, just give it to me. Come on. And he says, what does the scripture say? And I'm like, okay, well, which one? <laughs> and he says, when Paul is writing to Timothy and he tells him, to be prepared. And he's just waiting for me to, to finish it. And I said, oh yeah, to, to be prepared. To preach the word whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. And I'm like, oh, thank God I knew that one. <laughs> right? To always be ready, whether in season or out of season. The reason why Dennis gave me that feedback was because when I took to the court that day, I just happened to say, hey, you know, I wasn't planning on doing this today, but my friend D. Fatty asked me to come up and kind of threw him under the bus like that. And so it was just a good, good lesson for me. Dennis said, Jed, always be ready to shoot from the hip. Have something in your back pocket because you never know when it's going to be time to go right? And so I want to share a photo up on the screen that means really nothing to me, but uh, it's a fun one. <laughs> That's how I feel 
But truly, I actually didn't pick that photo. That photo was sent to me by Pastor Britt, by Britt this past week. Uh, Britt is a huge movie fan. That's from Step Brothers. I've never seen it. Uh, but let me follow up with the picture that Cindy sent me. So there's Britt. Cindy sent me that picture on Wednesday night. No, Thursday morning. And you can take that off. We don't want to, to get too freaked out here. Uh, Britt wanted you guys to know that he's recovering from his surgery. Uh, going into this week, I joked with him and Cindy. I said, Britt, Cindy, the doctor is going to make your heart strong like bull. Because Britt says that all the time. And he's doing well, but recovery is just a little bit tough on the back end of this one. And so yesterday morning, Britt said, hey, Jed, are you ready to go? I said, let's do it. So pinch hit for today. But Britt was really, really wanting to teach Commandment 7 on adultery. And so he's going to teach that message next, next week. And so we're not going to do that today. And even though I would have been ready to share that message, because two years ago when we were teaching through the Sermon on the Mount, I actually taught through adultery as well. Britt is really looking forward to giving giving that particular message. He feels like it's really critical for him to give that message to our congregation. And so next week, when you return, that's going to be the message that you guys get. Are you guys okay with that? Okay. So here is me shooting from the hip and being prepared like Dennis told me all of those years ago. The goal for today and for me is to share something that's, that's really near and dear to my heart that I didn't feel like I needed to conjure up for this morning. You see, every time someone comes to spend time with me for whatever reason, for the very first time, whether it's a couple coming for premarital or a young adult that started coming to church or someone from the community that has reached out looking for pastoral counseling, or if any of you have come to sit with me across my desk at my office or in the community at a coffee shop, the probability is very, very high that after 45 or so minutes of you responding to the questions that I'm asking you and you talking and bearing your soul and whatever it is that you're sharing after 45 minutes for about 15 minutes I get to share something that I share with everyone so if you think that this message is going to be 15 minutes long unfortunately it'll be a little bit longer than that but but when people come to spend time with me this is this is generally where I try and ground us because it is a reminder, not just for them, but for me. And so what I do is I open up this old Bible that I have, and I take it, and we'll have a picture, and I'll just, here's the point of view. I slide it across the desk, and so we'll be in Matthew chapter 4, and Pam, if you want to put that first scripture up, this is what it looks like for them. I slide my Bible across the desk, and I say, let's just start reading together. And sometimes I start in verse 18. And depending on the person, we might start in verse 17. From that time on, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And I'll share that in the Greek repentance, metanoeo, the idea there isn't just like a turn and burn. Jesus isn't saying, just turn away from your old lifestyle because the kingdom of heaven is coming. Wrathfully, no, in the Greek, the idea for repentance really is that your mind would be changed and transformed after having experienced something. And so Jesus is issuing this wide invitation to come and see whether or not this is different. 
Repent is an invitation, not a condemnation. So Jesus is saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And as we will discover, as we look at the life of Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is going to be embodied in his ministry and how he chooses to be king. How he shows us that. And then after that, and I'll just read it. We don't have to put it back up on the screens. We'll say, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people or fishers of men. And Pam, you can put that up there, the fishers of men, peace. Follow me, for I will make you fishers of men. Fishers of men. Of people. That's what Jesus is saying he is going to do. And then we'll start to pivot a little bit from there. Because what's really, really important about not just this passage of Scripture, but really all of life, is that emphasis really matters. Emphasis really, really matters. Where we decide to place emphasis and how we emphasize certain things really makes a difference. And so to illustrate that this morning, I'm going to show you a video. This just happened just yesterday. I get to coach youth sports and uh, one of our kiddos, uh, he loves to play all sorts of sports season, football season right now. And so these are just uh, some of the clips that uh, some of the parents sent me from yesterday's game. Are you guys ready to see this? Emphasis matters. Emphasis matters. That's two-year-old Titus, two-year-old Thai guy. He's not two as he's playing. He's eight. Now, that was him when he was getting, I think, one of his first haircuts, and he just broke out in that dance, and I thought, I'm going to use that someday. Here we are all these years later. Emphasis matters. You know, I don't know too much about video editing. I can put some things together, but what I've learned just from watching other things and then putting that, I've never put together a highlight reel video of Ty, but he'll freak when he sees that for the first time. But emphasis matters. When you're making cuts for a video, you do want them to synchronize with some of the music so that it moves you in a certain way. So there are different ways that we can emphasize things. But when it comes to Scripture, it's important that we determine where are we going to place the emphasis. You see, if we place the emphasis on, I will make you fishers of men, even though there's goodness there and there's truth there, ironically, that actually puts the emphasis back on us. See, when I watched that video of Ty, I'm pretty convinced that someday if Ty wants to be a coach for sports, he's going to be pretty, pretty good at that. He'll be apt for it because he's a good athlete. 
He's a good athlete. And I think that when he is with kids, he's going to be able to teach them from a place of experience. And so he can essentially say, hey, kids, check it out. I'm your guide right now. You come follow after me. Okay, I got you. I kind of know what I'm doing here. Okay, Ty can say that. And what's interesting about this passage of Scripture and for many of us in this thing that we call the church is often when it comes to sitting with other people and if they've come to us for care or counseling or help, our tendency is to say, don't worry, I've got you. I know what I'm doing here. I've done this before. I figured this out, but the key here and the reason why I take people to this passage of Scripture every single time they meet with here is so that we can rightly place the emphasis on the one who we ought to place the emphasis on. We say, follow me, and I tell them, not me, not me. Because if you try to become like me, you're in for it. You don't want that. You don't want me as your guide. You don't want me as the person who is giving you the answers and telling you how you want to go about this. No. And so I get to explain this very first session that my feet are on the same ground as your feet. And this thing that we call discipleship isn't me to you. Discipleship isn't me to you. Discipleship is actually Jesus to us. It's one of the reasons why I love to get to be in this vocation. I get to sit across from people and actively experience God's work in not just their life, but in my life and in my heart as he is teaching me and reminding me that it's not about what I have to give these people, but it's about something that's happening in between us as Jesus is calling us to himself. And so if we put that passage back up on the screen, it says again, follow me and I will make you. And we can pause right there. Follow me, Jesus says, and I will make you. And the reason why that is so, so critical, and we know the emphasis ought not just to be on the fishers of men, is because Jesus doesn't go around with this one-liner. Think about it. Think about how odd it would be if Jesus were walking around Galilee and this were his line. Hey, follow me and I'll, I'll make you fishers of men. And that was the thing that he tossed out. If he were able to generate a movement of people who were excited to fish for other people. We know that's not what he does. Because when he calls the other disciples, he doesn't give them this generic form of the world. No, when Jesus comes to Simon and his brother Andrew and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The reason why he does that is because what? They were fishermen. He sees them. He is paying attention to them. And so he, in a very small way, emphasizes something about their nature and their work and their life. And yet he is the one that is ultimately going to transform and take that follow me and I will make you. And so after we make sure that that's settled with whomever I'm sitting with, after it is certain and sure, and I'm telling this person, remind them, listen, 
This is not about something that I'm going to be giving to you if you choose to spend time with me. This is my get-to as well because Jesus is going to be doing something in my life and my heart too. Then we can move on. So it's like, you go with that? And typically people are like, great, let's keep going. And so after that, turn my Bible a little bit more. I say, okay, so that was out of the Gospels. And now I'm going to take you to one of the most famous letters. And I flip. And then I take my Bible. And I slide it over. And bam, you can put that up on the screen. And I, was, I realized after I put this picture up, man, you can see my jacked up fingers. <laughs> man, that is jacked up. Okay, anyways. So... That's what you'd see. You'd see my fingers. And then, and then we read very, very briefly. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. And we can stop there. And it's a really famous passage of scripture. And quite frankly, that can be really hard for someone to show you when you're entering into a space where you're probably not doing really well. Right? People don't tend to come visit me unless they're not doing well. Right? Sometimes people will come to share really fun stuff, but for the most part, when people seek out some counsel or what have you, they're coming from a place of hurt. And so to show them this might feel a little bit abrasive, but we just read along, and Pam, you can put up the next one. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. And then I stop right there. I just cover it up with my jacked up fingers because I explain most of the time when people come across this climactic section of Paul's letter to the church in Rome, to those Roman Christians, we get caught up in this word, and I'll put it on the screen, this idea of being predestined. Can you see how that happens? Uh, really, can, can you see that? For, for centuries well-meaning Christians across the spectrum have debated and argued about the way that God moves and is active in the cosmos and whether or not all things are predestined or if things are open and free, if there's something in this spectrum. And quite frankly, if you read the Bible closely, you will see that because his ways are higher than our ways, you'll find all sorts of ways that God is described as moving and working. We've talked multiple times in this series that we're supposed to be in with Moses and then the Ten Commandments that his name, I am who I am or I will be what I will be, gives God all of this margin to just be wild. To choose to do as God decides to do. And so we hear predestined and we can get caught up because we start to ask, well, what does that mean for me? You know, am I chosen? Am I predestined? What's the point there? And so we move along right after that. Pam, you can put up that next passage and we emphasize. Emphasis matters. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, and catch this, here's the because, which is a key psychological trigger, by the way, in order that he might be the firstborn of the large family. Predestined to be conformed into the image of the Son. That's the goal. That's the destiny. That's what God is doing in the world. In order that he, not me, not you, 
in order that he, Jesus, the Christ, in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family or among many brothers. And we go back to the first chapter of John when it says, to those who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become what? Children. Children of God. Children of God. Not just for our sake, but ultimately so that he might be the firstborn within a large family. So that Jesus, the Christ, could look and see this large family, that he himself is our peace, that he is the one that has brought us together. Those that otherwise would not be in a relationship, would not be in a family, would not have chosen one another. It's so that he could get the glory and the fame and the honor for being able to do what you and I, there's no way that we'd ever be able to do this. Uh-uh. No. So that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And that's where we stop. You know, I'm not in the coffee shop like going off like that. Mind you, I'm a little bit more calm as we're saying this stuff. It's fun to see, I think, people's eyes light up when we worship God together this way. You know, I'll tell you, for the folks that have come in and do not have a relationship with God and are like, is there a God? And I'm like, I can understand that, trust me. There's still this moment of us stepping outside of just like me and this person and then being blown away that captivates me and I've seen captivate others. So what do we do with this? Where do we go from here? What are a handful of takeaways from these two passages of Scripture that I can share with you today? Well, the very first one is this, is that discipleship is a lifelong learning unto Christ. That's what discipleship is. Discipleship is a lifelong learning unto Christ. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, he says. But before that, in John chapter 14, he says, where I'm going, I will take you to myself. In other words, Jesus isn't just the way to get to somewhere. He is the destination as well. He tells them, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In other words, there's this way that Jesus himself, the Son of God, in all of his fullness, brings us to the creator of the cosmos. Which is why it's not so wild, even though it is wild for Paul to write that in him and through him, all things have come into being. And so this, this journey for us of discipleship is learning how to be more like Jesus, which we talk about at Sunridge all the time because our mission at Sunridge Community Church is to what? Help people Find and follow Jesus. And the beauty of that mission, Sunridge Community Church, is that you and I, regardless of where we are in our faith journey, whether we don't feel like we've taken any step at all or we've been doing this for decades or we're like, I don't know why I'm still here, regardless of where we are along that spectrum, finding and following Jesus is an ongoing process of being compelled by the love of Christ. It is Him. 
It's his work. He's the one that does the great surprise so that at every step of the way, becoming like him is the goal so that we don't just, which we tend to do, make up our own stuff and say, hey, follow after our version. Which naturally, instinctively, of course, we tend to do that. It is human for us. And so my recommendation for myself and encouragement to us is that when we think about becoming more like Jesus, we can do that really practically by building habits of being here and seeing who he is revealed to be. I'm telling you, that might sound really elementary to go back and start reading your Bible, but I'm not going to outgrow that. I'm not. You know, when Jesus says a new commandment I give to you to love one another, it's really easy to go, all right, great, let's talk about other things. Right? I've heard about that before. Love. All right, can we talk about more advanced things? Man, it is really hard to love the people around us. It is. It is. And you can ask Mal about me, right? And, and, and liking in particular, that's really, really tough. And that's just a very pithy way to talk about that. But for us to look in Scripture and to see Jesus, we ought to, and I think we will if we read, be absolutely blown away and surprised by who he is. And the reason why I would recommend and encourage you, if you haven't, read your Bible in a long time, I'd really encourage you to go back and start reading through the Gospels again. Those perspectives and portraits of Jesus and and see how the version that many of us have built up and have and maybe what mainline Christianity gives us does not look remotely like the Son of God. I challenge you, just start reading it and thinking, Who's Jesus really frustrated with? Who's he spending time with? How does he speak to people? Who does he touch? Where is he going? What is he saying? How does he read scripture? How does he fulfill it? And I challenge you, just do that. Read it for yourself. Right? Do it for yourself. I think you will be shocked. So that was that first takeaway that discipleship is a lifelong journey unto Christ. And then the other thing that I would say, and we've talked about this before, is whatever it is that you're going through, whatever it is you and I are going through, this is our discipleship. Right? If the goal in our life is to be conformed into the image of the Son, if it's to learn to be like Jesus, then when we talk about things like discipleship or when we speak about learning to be like Jesus, it's not just reading the Bible, actually. And it's not just building those habits. Those things are foundational. They are key. However, if we just isolate and contain this to the head knowledge that we get and making sure we have certain passages memorized or what have you... That's really not what this is either. Jesus, the Christ, living, active. When we say the Word of God is living and active, we're not just talking about Scripture. We're talking about Jesus. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is alive and active. And so if you and I start to look at every single day and begin to make it a habit to see that whatever our struggles are or whatever our issues are, whether it's in the workplace or at school 
or in friendships or any sort of relationship or as we're driving on the road or as we're in random places like the airport looking around at all of the eight billion people that fill this planet, wherever we are, that if we can stop to think this right here, right now, this is my discipleship. This is Jesus trying to take me away from just myself and who I would be apart from him and conform me more and more to look like the person that I'm reading and seeing here doing wild, wild, wild things. Does that make sense? That's our second fill in the blank. Actually, I just said that on auto because you don't have no cheese today. (laughs) We're not filling in the blank. Pam, would you put up our third takeaway here? God's will, his plan, and his purposes are the same for me as they are for you. You're like, what are you talking about, Jed? Well, when we are in this Romans 8 passage, one of the things that we get to share is that often we get tied up because we're wondering, well, what's God going to do? What's his plan? What's going on? Right? What is God's will for me? Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever asked God, what are you doing? What's your plan? Where's this going? What's the purpose? Has anyone felt like that before? Anyone ever asked that? Yeah, I know that I have. According to scripture, if the purpose is to predestine us, to conform us into the image of the Son, then God's will, His plan, His purpose is actually the same for me as it is for every single one of you. Take, take a moment and just like sit with that. You are so beloved by God that he doesn't have something for someone else that he doesn't have for you. That sounds like, wait, you know when your parents and your kids are like trying to figure out who's loved the most? <laughs> right? Who gets the best gifts? Who, who gets the most stuff? It often feels like when we're in this space, we're looking around and we're going, okay, like who's really got the blessings from God? Who's really walking with God? Who's, who's really getting what I want? What does it look like to be in relationship with God? What does it look like to be there with him? Well, what's the point? If I'm struggling, I might look around and go, why aren't these people struggling? Even though we know that's not the case. We all are God's purpose, his plan, his will for you. And for me, it's the same. It's to be conformed in the image of the son. And then the flip side of that is the particulars of that and what that looks like in your life and in my life, well, yeah, it's going to look really, really different. I am not, and you are not, we are not living the same lives, right? We are not walking the same ground of earth. We are going into all sorts of different places and interacting with all sorts of different peoples and struggling with the brain that we have and the hearts that we have and whatever it is, you and I, wherever we go, there is, it's, there's our particular version of that, but it ought to be freeing. If as a people we remember, it's actually the same. And so Pam, would you put up the very fourth takeaway? There's something that Mel and I try and tell our kids all the time. The most important lesson in life is that you get to choose. And you're thinking, 
Are you sure that's the most important lesson in life? (laughs) The reason why we just frame it to our children that way is because even though our conviction, even though our conviction is that the most important thing for all of our lives is that we would struggle along and choose and pursue and accept Jesus' invitation. He says, follow me. And then people have to decide, what am I going to do? Jesus could say that over and over and over. And it is a miraculous work of the Spirit certainly to awaken us. But you and I, our choice is so critical. And, and I don't know, when I was younger, I definitely had more of the sense of like, I'm in control, right? <laughs> then as we age a little bit more, we realize that's definitely not true. I'm not in control, right? There's a lot outside of my control. However, choice and choosing is critical. Choice and choosing is critical. And so what will I do about this invitation that Jesus gives me? Pam, would you put up this picture? We're almost done here. You guys, on the left uh, is, is where I was last night. And on the right is actually a similar like scene, but of the Sea of Galilee. You know, that very first passage that we read this morning in Matthew chapter 4 is Jesus is walking along the sea. I know it's dark there, but that's the body of water. There's something about water that's really, really just amazing to me. And so we can imagine Jesus walking along that sea and seeing those brothers fishing and coming to them and say, follow me. Right? We've given messages in the past about the wildness of Jesus' call to discipleship, how these were the most just unworthy folks to call, and so how there would be excitement that a rabbi would call them. But, but again, we want to place the emphasis on Jesus as he's walking along and he's making that call. And you know what's so, so crazy about Simon and Andrew and those disciples is Just like you and me, even though we want to operate from a place where it looks like we're always walking close to the Lord and whatnot, at Jesus' crucifixion, we know what happens to all the disciples. They scatter. They, They go. They're gone. They desert him. And after Jesus' resurrection, even after that empty tomb scene, if we go to John chapter 21, there's that wild, wild scene of Jesus reinstating Peter. And what happens is Jesus goes back to the Sea of Galilee where he probably first met those dudes and they're back to doing what they've always been doing, what they're doing before Jesus. They're just fishing for fish. And Jesus comes forward and there's so much shame that you, Peter jumps out of the, the boat into the water. There's like this hiding scene that parallels the first humans, Adam and Eve hiding in the garden. Then we have that scene where he comes to shore and Jesus has that meal with him, right? And he asks him three times. It parallels the denials. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And, and we tend to place emphasis there. When we give the message from John 21, it's, do you love me? Well, then, 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 right? 
And so we ask ourselves, well, do I love God? And do I love him the same way? Is it flair love that culminates in agape love? And that's all sweet stuff. But you know what Jesus says to Peter last? Before Peter starts wondering, like, what about that guy? He says, follow me. He says, follow me. Several years later, the invitation is still the same. I'm going to invite the band up. You know, it's, it's really easy to get caught up in these versions of ourselves where maybe we're feeling good about whatever we're doing and that's when you say, hey, come alongside me. Let me show you what it's like to do life with Jesus. It'd be like if some way, somehow our spiritual life were always that highlight video reel, you know, right? But, but truly life is more like, um, I think about, remember in Super Mario when you got that star of the mushroom? Brian's like, boop, 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 and you're suddenly big and just crushing the world, right? And you think you're so awesome. And then you come crashing back down. And then, of course, you get hit by a shell, and then you just fly off of the screen. Doesn't it feel sometimes, you guys are like, what are you talking about? It, honestly, to me, when I think about life, I think that the, the highs and the lows, they tend to feel like that video game where it's like, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> Okay, you guys, that, that's like a silly way to put this. However, the invitation over and over and over from Jesus is to follow after him so that he can finish the work that he started. And our choosing in that is absolutely beautiful and critical. And so the reason why I showed you that picture with the Sea of Galilee on the right and then the beach on the left is because we were there yesterday. We were there yesterday uh, afternoon. And I'll show you just one more picture. It's the camera roll of my phone. Um, and some pictures and videos that were sent to me. Uh, this is just yesterday afternoon. And... Um, yeah, I'm not going to go into too much detail here. We've got a family member on Mal's side who uh, is is terminally ill, and and a couple weeks ago decided that he wanted he wanted to accept Jesus' invitation to follow. And I have known this person for as long as Mal and I have been dating, so 15, together, 15 years. That may sound like we never got married. As long as we've been together 15 years. And this person is beloved by everybody. And two weeks ago, he said that he wanted to be baptized. And it was like, really? And he said, I want you, nephew. I want you to do this. And so we're thinking it's going to be just like a small family gathering. And, uh, you know, as, as it's getting closer, we hear that he wants, he wants to invite all of his friends and family and neighbors and co-workers. I'm telling you, the guy is so winsome. He's the guy that everyone loves to talk to. He knows everyone. So we show up there yesterday, and there are over 100 people of his friends. It's just the widest spectrum of people, right? Just the way God likes it. And we gathered up on the grass, and he put his wheelchair next to me, and 
and we said, okay, like if we get 10 minutes just to talk about what this is and what's happening here. There are all these adults sitting on the grass like little kids and people standing all over. And we share the good news of Jesus the Christ and we transfer him to the next wheelchair and get him down into the waters and his kids and nephews, we pick him up and put him at the banks and turn him around to face all of his people and strangers that have now gathered. We ask him, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Do you believe that he died for our sins and was buried and rose on the third day? And do you now accept and profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? On account of your profession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection to walk in the newness of life. And this family member and the disease he got, high odds that he's never going to physically walk again. But the newness of life that is offered to you and to me when we believe in Jesus and the one who sent him, Scripture says, we have passed from death to life. That is the invitation. And we get to have that choice to say yes. And so part of the wildness of pinch hitting and finding out yesterday morning, all right, let's go, let's do this tomorrow. And Britt's saying, Jed, are you ready? It's like, okay, Dennis, let's go do it, right? The wildness of this is that all of us get to be reminded again today. I get to be reminded afresh that no matter what it is that I'm experiencing or you are experiencing, the invitation and the call and God's purpose and plan is it's all the same for all of us. And if for some reason, for some reason, you have never taken that step to enter into those waters and publicly declare your allegiance to Jesus and you're choosing to accept his free gift of salvation and grace, you want to know what? Next Sunday, July 30th, we're going to be dunking people in that pool. And if you have never made that public profession, I would challenge you and I'd encourage you to think about that. You can talk to one of our prayer team members or any of us here and we can give you some of that information. I saw Pam walk in here. I think she's about to go on vacation this week. Pam, raise your hand. You know what? There's Pam. She was our women's pastor for years. If you want to get baptized next week, go see Pamela. Okay, Pam, raise your hand. If you want to get baptized next week, you can go over and see Pam. And then next week, come back because Britt's going to be here, right? That's the goal is for him to be here. He'll share that message. And at the end of service, we're going to celebrate together by seeing others who are accepting Jesus' invitation to new life. Would you stand and join us in the time of worship through song? Hey, everybody. It's Britt again. Thanks for listening. If you need something, if you have a question, or you'd just like us to pray for you, you can reach us through email, info at sunridgechurch.org. We hope you'll listen in again next week, but in the meantime, keep helping people find and follow Jesus.